I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. On Monday, San Francisco will debut Care Court, a new method of developing treatment and service plans for severely mentally ill people. CARE is an acronym that stands for Community Assistance, Recovery, and Empowerment. The program was designed as a tool to engage people, especially unhoused people, who are not currently seeking care. The interventions it can set up for someone are voluntary for the patient, but mandatory for the city to provide. San Francisco will be one of just seven counties in the state to launch CARE Court, which was created by a state policy touted as a game-changer in homelessness and mental health. But its scope is very limited. Only people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia and related mental illnesses, and who aren't in treatment, qualify. While between 1 and 2,000 people are likely eligible, the health department estimates the city will only enroll up to 400 people in its first year. And there aren't enough services available for even that number of clients. Care Court is also controversial. Disability justice and civil liberties activists have opposed it, They argued that even though the care court process doesn't force anyone to take medication or accept treatment that they don't want, it can still put people on the path to losing a say in their medical care. Other critics say that since care court is voluntary for the patient, it's not going to do enough. They believe some people are so unwell that treatment should be compulsory. Chronicle reporter Aldo Toledo has just wrapped up a story explaining what exactly care court is and isn't, and is here to tell us how it works and who may benefit. Hi, Aldo. Hi. Good to have you back. <laughs> yes, good to be back. One of the selling points of Care Court is that it greatly expands who can intervene to get a severely mentally ill person some kind of help or treatment. And too often it's the criminal justice system right now that funnels people into a system that may or may not be able to stabilize them. And they end up in this sort of holding pattern going between jail and home or the streets, waiting for a spot and an appropriate facility to open up. Care Court is different. Who can petition the court to open up a case for someone? It's actually a lot of different people. So it could either be a family member, a member of an outreach team, you know, people dealing with homeless folks on the street every day. It could be your doctor. It could be the hospital director. It could even be your roommate, actually. Wow. They'll be able to send a referral to the Department of Public Health, to which will then go to the care court and begin the process of potentially mandating care or medication in the end. Who is eligible as a patient for care court? It's a very narrow eligibility. Initially, when Newsom proposed this idea back in 2022, the idea was very broad, that a lot of the people who are suffering from mental illness on the street would be able to get into the system. But after it went through the legislature in, in the intervening time, it, it has really narrowed down to people with Uh, specific psychotic disorders like schizophrenia, for example. And it has to be people who have been untreated for this. So you can't currently be in any kind of treatment system or program. You have to have been out of a program for for some time. And it's up to the court's discretion of as to, you know, when somebody is considered to be out of a program or out of medication long enough. Oh, wow. Okay. So the court gets to decide if I've been to a program, does that count as treated? If I have medication, does that count as treated? That's like all case by case? Yeah, it's it's basically case by case. But I think the, the main point of this is that it is ultimately all voluntary. So even if the court does say that you should be taking certain medications, there's nothing to force you to take those pills or 
you know, no one forcing you to fill out the paperwork to be admitted into an inpatient or outpatient program of any kind. Mm -hmm. And just to put a really fine point on this, it is a narrow subset of the population. It is only folks with certain mental health diagnoses. That means this is not a system that gets people into drug treatment, right? That's correct. This is not a drug court. And, you know, I was actually at a recent kind of update session from the court that they had here in San Francisco at the Superior Court. And they focused primarily on the fact that this is not a criminal court. This is not a drug court. And it is very narrowly focused on people with specific mental health issues. So some people deal with like, you know, the side effects of methamphetamine, for example, can sometimes look like a lot of these psychotic disorders, medical disorders. But that, that is not what this court would be for. This court is specifically for people with schizophrenia and other psychiatric disorders. Can you tell me a bit more about this information session that you went to? What were people asking about? What did it feel to you like people wanted this to be? And then what did, what message did they actually get from the court? Well, I mean, I think that they, you know, they were trying to give a, a general sense to the public of how ready the city is in implementing this. And I think that they're pretty much on a procedural basis ready to deal with this issue. And, you know, there were a bunch of different voices talking about this. I mean, we had the Superior Court present there, the public defender's office, the city attorney's office, and even a couple of advocacy groups who, unlike in other counties, actually have decided to be a part of the team setting up the care court. They believe that they're better to be in it than outside of it in terms of actually setting up the process. But I think that, you know, what, what came out of that, what was most striking to me is that, you know, it, it, they really focus on this narrow kind of eligibility that, that you have with this program, but then also the inevitable bottleneck that this will run into in the end. The city does not have enough psychiatric treatment beds to deal with this issue. Even if you were to attempt to get somebody stabilized through housing, through the housing first kind of strategy that the city has, there aren't enough supportive housing beds to to deal with that. So you you are really seeing like at some point in the process, somebody will be having to be on a wait list or, or, you know, again, like we've seen with some of these issues, like waiting for treatment, waiting for beds to open up. So let's talk about that process a bit. What actually happens in care court? It sounds like this is not a criminal court. This is not, there's no plaintiff. There's no defendant. Mm-hmm. Why is there a judge? Like, what's the role of of the court here? And what are they trying to determine? So the court is essentially trying to determine whether somebody meets the criteria for voluntary treatment. And this is where I think the the, the kind of teeth of it uh, come, comes into play. The reason why you have this be in the superior court is so that you can use the legitimacy of the court and the authority of the court to persuade them into treatment. But ultimately, the judge doesn't have that much authority in terms of mandating some of this care. Like I said, the person can refuse to take medication. They can refuse to go into a program. Even if they are referred, they can just never show up and the process will never begin. The court is very aware of this and they're actually giving out $20 gift cards for people who just show up the first day just to as a way to get them to think about this as not something that's going to be punitive or or that's going to get them into the, the justice system, but rather 
another opportunity that they have to get treatment and, and care. And even if they don't want it, they can still get 20 bucks for just showing up. But as you pointed out, there is a bottleneck that a lot of people are already anticipating here. The way it was explained to me, the plan that the court establishes isn't mandatory for the patient, but it is for the county. The county has to provide this stuff. What happens if the county doesn't deliver the medication, facility bed, housing, or other intervention that the court mandates? Yeah, I mean, the state could impose severe fines and limitations on the on the city government if it, if it doesn't provide these things. And what's interesting is that it, it can't. I mean, at this point, it doesn't have the resources to deal with it. So it will inevitably get some of these fines and, and kind of repercussions of not, not doing that. But I think that's kind of what Governor Newsom wants to happen from this. He, I think, wants to tell the cities that and counties that they need to deal with this issue and they need to use the funding that they receive from the state government to actually provide treatment beds, provide housing for people. So in a way, it's it's pressuring these counties to to deal with this issue unless, you know, unless they want to pay these fines. So aren't they just going to rack up fines? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they will be racking up fines if they can't deal with this issue. And I think that there are some creative ways that the court has told us that that they're trying to, you know, get people to be involved in the process so that it does it is successful. But the the bottleneck does I think show how this program has its limitations and we have to wait and see I guess what'll happen with the counties how much, you know, these fines will come into play in terms of expanding services or I guess pressuring the state to give more money. To, to deal with this issue. We'll talk about some of the other concerns that critics have about this new system after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Aldo Toledo, you've been reporting on Care Court, which is launching next week. You just pointed out that for a lot of people, even with mental health treatment and stabilization plans developed by Care Court, the services ordered just won't be available. Did the Care Court program come with any additional funding so that cities can actually provide those services? No. So the uh, governor's office was very clear in saying that it would provide funding to set up the court. But it would not be providing any more funding to actually deal with the downstream needs of some of these participants. You have like the San Francisco saying now that it's going to cost about $51 million a year in the first year to, to fund this office. And they've gotten about $4 million just, just to set it up. And you know, I think what, what Governor Newsom would say is that he believes the funding is already there to deal with this issue. And it, it's up to these counties to reallocate those funds to actually serve some of these participants. Did DPH or the city attorney or anyone from the city side of this react to that or give any kind of indication of whether or not they'd be able to meet that demand when you went to the info session? Yeah, I mean, I think that the everybody's kind of concerned about that aspect of it. Even the judge is very concerned about that aspect of it. But there isn't a, a kind of clear answer at this point of what the next steps will be. I think people want to see 
whether uh, you know dozens or hundreds of people will take advantage of this court system but we really do just have to wait and see what what happens and and how much of a burden this will be on the city resources let's talk about some of the concerns about this system kind of from the beginning Disability justice and civil liberties groups are very worried about this approach. They point out that if a patient doesn't follow the plan that care court creates for, I think it's two years, they could be put on the path toward conservatorship. And care court is not a coercive treatment system, but conservatorship is a system that can result in someone losing the right to essentially self-govern. It's what happened, you know, to Britney Spears to give a famous example, but it's actually much more common with seniors and you know elderly family members who have become disabled or need memory care. You can lose a lot of autonomy. In some cases, you can be institutionalized. Does the law that sets up care court, just to be super clear about this, create a pipeline? into conservatorship? The law does not, but there are a lot of concerns among advocates that, like you said, if the person doesn't adhere to their care plan, that that will be used in a conservatorship proceeding as evidence that this person is not willing to take medication or go into treatment and therefore should be under conservatorship. That's really where, you know, I think the Public Defender's Office and and some of these homeless advocacy groups would say is that, you know, it doesn't outwardly create a pipeline for it, but it could lead to judges down the line using this lack of participation as evidence that a conservatorship is in order. Are there also concerns about the type and quality of mental health treatment available? Like, I don't know, if something didn't work for someone the first time around, and so they're refusing based on that it was just a terrible experience for them, there's nothing else? Yeah, certainly there's not as many options as are needed if dozens or hundreds of people are going to be using this. So not only will they have to deal with like wait lists and some of these programs, maybe they'll get into the program and find that it doesn't work for them. And there's a very limited number of other programs that they can go into after that point. So if too many people come into the system, it'll show what kinds of programs people are more likely to succeed in than others. I think the the care court opens up a lot of opportunities to get more statistics and data about about exactly what people with mental health diagnoses might need. On the other side, you have people who are strong proponents of more forced treatment. In some cases, they're people who have seen a loved one go through the criminal justice system rather than clinical treatment. In others, it might just be people who see someone who looks unstable and barely surviving on the street and say, we should put that person into some kind of program. What are the arguments that care court doesn't go far enough? There's a lot of frustrated parents and loved ones who who really want to see their somebody in their family or the person close to them that's suffering with these mental health issues, you know, have more of like a mandatory system so that they can get care. The lack of teeth in care court has been a huge issue for some of these folks. And they're skeptical about whether it'll work. This will only work for folks who want to be in the system. So I think what a lot of these parents might say is that, for some of their family members who are not willing at all to go into treatment, this isn't really going to help all that much. However, I will say that some of these folks that do want to have their loved ones in treatment would say that 
they actually agree that if somebody doesn't comply with a care plan, that that should be used as a way to get somebody into conservatorship. They do see that as evidence that this person, you know, under no other circumstance will take treatment. And so therefore the court should mandate that they be treated for their mental illness. Is this going to be a process that's transparent to the public? I mean, I'm sure there are privacy concerns since we're talking about people's mental health. Is there any way for you to keep an eye on what's going on in care court and whether or not it's working? Yeah, I mean, the Chronicle will certainly be asking the court for updates on this in the future. And and we'll be monitoring really what comes out of it. And I think the best way that that you can follow some things like this is is to really find the people making these referrals and keep up with them. Because like you said, there are some HIPAA concerns that there's only so much that the court will be able to tell us specifically. But I think that really, you know, focusing on not only getting the official side of things, but also seeing the way that the process works for regular people. I think that'll be illuminating in terms of how this works going forward. Aldo, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Aldo Toledo covers City Hall. Find his work at sfchronicle.com. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg for editing this episode, Gary Baca for mixing the audio, and thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.